The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. Jesus, It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone. And we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God.
Last week I spoke to you about the fact that God has got you eternally. And this week I want to follow up with the second part of that message that God has got you now. The example that I'd used from my own personal life last week was that of me as a fearful child as I would run down the hallway and be terrified that demons were going to grab me or some devil was going to get a hold of me and I'd jump in the bed and it was always so comforting when my parents, my mother or my dad, they would come down there and they would look me in the eye and they would say, it's okay. Nothing's going to happen to you. And you know what? Nothing did. That was such a comforting message to know that they had me. And I want you to know, child of God, it's so comforting to know that God's got you. And last week we spent the time talking about the fact that God's got you eternally. And let me just say this to you. This is something that we need to get down. Unless we see that God has us eternally, then there is no way that we can truly process and understand that he'll never leave us nor forsake us now. In other words, let me say it this way. It is essential that we understand the message of the gospel that God has got us eternally to be able to deal with the trials and the troubles and the tribulations of this life. John 16 and 33, one of my favorite verses. Oh, they're all my favorite verses, but that's one in particular that I seem to go to a lot. And Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. How can we be of good cheer in this dark and wicked world that vexes us on a daily basis? I hope that's your case. I hope you feel vexed because we're not to be friends with the world. The world is no friend of ours. But how are we to face those things and have good cheer? Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Even the things that you face now, the death, the troubles, the trials, the sickness, the pain, the tears, the sorrow, all of those things now have been overcome by Jesus. And by the way, There's many times in our lives through the providential blessings of God that we experience that overcoming of Jesus now, where in providential ways in our lives, no doubt many of you could tell situations in your lives where the Lord providentially dealt with you and the Lord overcame some obstacle that was in front of you. But listen to me, if you're fearful and you're afraid, I tell you, there's nothing 
more comforting than to fall into the arms of your father. <laughs> That's what I enjoyed. My dad had strong arms when I was a little bitty fella, and there was nothing like getting scooped up in the arms of my dad. It was so comforting. And I want you to know, child of God, in a spiritual sense, and by the eye of faith, you can see that even now you have been scooped up in the arms of your heavenly father. God's got you eternally. Uh, last week, as we talked about the fact that God has you eternally, we looked at John 6 and John 17 and Hebrews 2, and I'll remind you very quickly what that says there. There is no question, no doubting, no disputing over the words of Jesus when he said in John 6 and 37 that all given shall come. All of the children that were given to him before the world was formed by the Father, they shall come to him. There's no possibility that they will be lost. And Jesus reiterates that in John 6 and 39 when he says, of all that are given to me, none will be lost. So the question is this, is God going to lose anybody? There's no way, because he said, I will not lose anyone. And then in John 6 and 44, he said, but none can come to me. You can't come to me on your own, except the Father draw you. So if you have a desire for God, if you have a desire for the Son, the Father, the Holy Ghost, if you have a desire for spiritual things, it's because the Father has drawn you. The Father has touched your heart. And in John 17 and 2, in that prayer, the night before he went to the cross, he said, as many that the Lord has given me, he says, I give them eternal life, not offer them, not make it a possibility or make it available. He said, as many as God has given me, I am going to give them eternal life. And then in Hebrews 2 and 13, we, we see the triumphal entry of Jesus into heaven one sweet day when the bodies have been redeemed, whenever the Lord has called all of his children out of the grave and they are in their resurrected bodies. I can just picture Jesus walking in the pearly gates as, as we imagine it in our minds, and he's got his arms outstretched. Of course, you could no doubt see those scars in his hands. He's got his arms outstretched, and he says, Behold, I've got them all, all that you gave me are coming in heaven with me in their bodies. Child of God, God has got you eternally. There is no question that you're going to be in heaven with him because he said so, and all of his children are going to be there. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years who were worried about this person or that person in their lives, a child or maybe a disobedient child or someone who was having a hard time in their life. Oh, I just don't know if they're saved. I just don't, if they died today, I'm just afraid they'd go to hell. <laughs> and I've been able to share a glorious message with them because it's not about what they're doing. And we don't glorify anybody's sin. Sin is a reproach to God. But if Jesus Christ has that person, he's going to have them forever. Look at Samson. Look at Solomon. Look at David. Children of God in the Bible that did awful things in their life. And there's no way that we glorify that. But we glorify God by telling you this message that nothing that we do in this life will separate us from the love of God. The suicide of Samson did not separate him from the love of God. And the thousand women that Solomon foolishly married did not separate him from the love of God. And the murder and adultery that David committed did not separate him from the love of God because the love of God is self-contained and the mercy of God does not change. God's got you eternally. And based on that, we can see that God has us now. It is essential to see that God's got you eternally. 
And you can fall into the arms of your father now based on the fact that he's got you eternally. And this is the operation of faith for the child of God. And I submit to you that faith that's given by God can't operate fully or functionally in our lives without knowing that he has us eternally. Does your faith hinge on what you did? Does your faith hinge on a decision you made or an accepting that you did or a baptism or something like that? Or does your faith hinge on what it should hinge on, which is the work of Jesus Christ? And by the way, don't feel bad if you doubt sometimes and if you think, oh my goodness, because the apostles were the same way. Their faith was the same way. Uh, So it's good to know that we're in that kind of company. Look at Matthew, the 14th chapter. This is where Jesus told the disciples to get in the ship and go on across the sea, and I'll meet you over there on the other side. There's no question that they were going to make it. And yet, in the middle of the night, as they were going, there was all kind of storms that came along, and they were dealing with the storms that night, and they were upset and wondering and just upset about what was happening. In verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, it's a ghost. And they cried out, and they were afraid. But Jesus straightway spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And here we think, well, Peter did this great act of faith. No, he didn't. This wasn't a great act of faith. Uh, This was an act of non-faith. And a matter of fact, it probably really upset the other apostles that were around him because he's getting out. He wants out. He doesn't want to be with these guys anymore. He's, I'm too scared. I want to be out of this boat. And so you know what he does? He gets out and he begins to walk on the water. You know, usually we think, oh, that's amazing what Peter did. No, it was not an act of faith. How do we know that? Because of what Jesus said. Jesus says, okay, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Let me tell you something. Child of God, the Lord's got you now. He's got you now. He had Peter, didn't he? And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught Peter and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Isn't that us in our lives? The wind is boisterous. The waves are churning up and down, making us sick. The rain is falling. The lightning is flashing. The thunder is crashing in our lives. And we think nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody's got me. But I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ has you. How many people today are angry or upset at God because they don't understand that God's got them eternally? They've been told some message that, hell, he'll have you if you'll have him first or if you'll let him in or if you'll do this for him. No, I'm here to tell you the good news of the gospel He's got you eternally, and he's got you now. Now listen to me. This does not mean that we're not going to reap what we sow. If we live a life like Samson did and chasing after women like he did and drinking and carousing around like he did, then don't be surprised if you wake up one morning and you're blind and the Lord's Spirit is no longer influencing in your life. Remember, Samson was a child of God all the way through, even through the suicide that he committed. But there was a time when the Lord just said, you're so disobedient and you're acting so ridiculous. You are embarrassing me until the Lord just said, hey, I'm done for a while. I'm pulling back. It doesn't mean that he wasn't a child of God anymore. It doesn't mean the Lord's spirit left his heart or undid the new birth. 
No, it just means that he was tired of the way Samson was acting, and so he just withdrew himself from his presence. And Samson didn't even know it. So we're going to reap what we sow. But even when we reap what we sow, guess what? Samson in the prison house, when he was blinded and grinding the corn there like a dumb beast, just like an ox, he knew the Lord was there. He cried out to the Lord, you see? So it doesn't matter how bad we get in this life. It doesn't matter what we face or how far down we go. We can always look up. And we can always understand that because the Lord's got us eternally, because he shed his blood on the cross for us, he will not let us go. He will not suffer us to go into the flames of hell. Now listen very carefully. Here is Peter having a little faith. He says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And we can become that same way. Look at the next chapter, Matthew, the 16th chapter, and we read, where the apostles, once again, in a different circumstance, had little faith. It says in verse 5, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Oh, it is because we have not taken bread. Jesus is telling us to beware of some bread, some natural bread that the Pharisees and the Sadducees have to sell. We didn't know they had a stand up. (laughs) And they don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do you not understand and neither remember the five loaves of the five thousands? And how many baskets she took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets she took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, but that she should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in their doctrine and in their teaching? You see, they were thinking from a natural standpoint. Bless their hearts. You and I would have done the same thing. You know, we, we would have been hungry like the apostles, and they forgot to bring bread. Oh, man, I forgot to stop by the store and get some bread. We're hungry now. We know we forgot bread. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we go, oh, he's getting on to us because we forgot bread. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He's saying your faith is little. You're not understanding what I'm saying here. So you see, even when it came to points of doctrine, even the apostles had little faith at times. Our faith is what points us. The operation of our faith points us to the fact that God's got us eternally. That's the message of the gospel. And he's also got us now. And even the apostles did not see that. Oh, child of God, not only does the Lord have you eternally, but he's got you now. There are people out there blaming God today with the circumstances of their life. Maybe they're actually reaping what they've sown. Maybe they have brought those circumstances upon themselves and just need somebody to blame. Well, God's usually who people blame. Or maybe it's just the fact that your life is not going the way that you wish it would and you think you're being denied something because God's preventing this or preventing that or doing this or doing that, and we wind up blaming God because we don't understand God. God loves his children. Just because we're not living in some mansion and we don't have a bunch of money and we don't have everything going our way, that doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Oh, there's many times in my life when things were not going my way. It might have been in school. It might have been in sports. It might have been in... But it never made me think, well, my parents don't love me. (laughs) You know, they were always there supporting me. Whether I was a little child running down the hallway and afraid and jumping in the bed and them coming to comfort me, I never thought they were against me. Even in times when I had been disobedient and they had to spank me, 
they had to correct me and chastise me. I never thought they didn't love me. Yeah, it hurt. (laughs) And then there were times when I made choices in my life, or it might not have been a choice I made, but it might have just been a circumstance that was a difficult circumstance. Maybe I brought it on, or maybe it was just the outward effects in my life coming at me, the, the storms of life coming at us. You know, the apostles didn't generate the storm that came to the boat that night. It was just a storm of life, and that's what we face in this life. And just because we're facing the storms of life that come at us in this life, and just because we're facing the consequence of maybe a bad decision we made, or just facing the general hardness and difficulties of life, we don't look at our parents and go, well, this means they're against me. And we cannot look at God and say, well, he's just against me. Did you know Samson didn't do that when he was there? in the grinding house, grinding the corn, being mocked and ridiculed by the Philistines. He didn't look at God and say, God, why did you do this to me? No. Samson knew why he was there. He knew the reason he was in that prison house. It was his own foolish decisions. But he looked to God for a great and grand deliverance, and God gave it to him. God gave him strength one more time. You see, How can I face life now? How can I face these difficulties that I'm seeing now? By faith, by the operation of faith within us, we see that God has got us eternally, and therefore, He also has us now. In Romans, the 8th chapter, some of the greatest verses that you can ever read about how God has us now, the Apostle Paul, now notice, this is interesting now, immediately after the Apostle Paul lays out for us the fact that God's got us eternally, he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, and whom he predestinated, then he also called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And as I would say it for this message, if God's got us, who can take us away from God? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to your charge? Who can take you away from God? Who can condemn you? It's Christ that died for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? You see, it's very important to see that the Apostle Paul has just laid out for them there to tell them that God's got you eternally, and because he's got you eternally, there's nothing now like tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, peril, nakedness, sword. None of these things can take you away from him. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, for I'm persuaded that there's no death or life or angels or principalities or powers or things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that glorious? Child of God, the operation of your faith says, God has foreknown me. God has predestinated me. God has called me by the Spirit, and God has justified me on the cross through Jesus, and God will glorify me one day, one sweet day when he comes back, and there's nothing in this life that I face that can take that away from me because it's not contained within a decision that I made. It's not contained within an accepting that I did of Jesus. It's not contained within my baptism. It's not based on those things within me, but it is hinged upon the Lord Jesus Christ who nailed our offenses to the cross whenever he paid for them. And he's resurrected and on the right hand of God making intercession for us. Now that is good news, child of God. And in Hebrews 11, oh, that great hall of faith. You know, it's such beautiful language and wonderful things that are laid out there in the first part of Hebrews 11. It says that 
uh, things about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and all these different people that had all these great and grand deliverances. It talks about Rahab. It talks about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse 33, he says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. It's incredible. This is victory in this life now. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong, waxed violent in fight. Women received their dead to life again. Others were tortured. Wait a minute now. There's a shift here with others. It says that they had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Wait a minute now. I like that first part better, don't you? I like the part about subduing kingdoms and having the dead raised to life again. But child of God, this is the hall of faith that's listed here. And it doesn't just list all the victories that we get in this life, but it also lists the troubles and trials and things that we face in this life. And the point the Apostle Paul is making, that whether you are one subduing a kingdom or whether you are one having a trial of cruel mockings or scourgings or being stoned or sawn asunder or tempted and slain with a sword... God still has you. He's got you eternally. And whether you are delivered now through some providential dealing in this life like Moses or Joseph or some of the others, even if you pass from this life, it's just a doorway that takes you to a greater life. Because why? God's got you. Oh, child of God, he's got you eternally and he's got you now. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer. to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396. 
or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Thank you.